Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Season 20, episode four. How are you feeling? Um, a little confused, I'll say. (laughs) Okay. Can I tell you the way that I feel? Because I kind of just want to process this together. Yeah. I would love nothing more than for you to tell me how you feel. A lot of times when we watch these, we get new information and I'm really excited to come on here and to process it together. And sometimes we'll find out something that is completely new. However, There's like a category in my brain with these episodes at this point, 20 seasons in, where I kind of know how to talk about it. I know how to receive it. And this is one of the first times after watching a Keeping Up episode where I'm kind of just thoroughly confused. And I want to be honest in saying that. And I'm praying you have the same reaction. And I'm hoping that that resonates with anybody listening. I mean, yes, very much yes. I think what happened with this episode is that I went into it expecting a lot of clarity and came out of it with a lot of confusion. Right. I also think you and I specifically were really interested in this particular episode because obviously we have followed Addison and kind of the evolution or what we've seen to be the evolution of their friendship. So I guess I just wasn't necessarily anticipating this like interrogation element that came in and just threw me off. And it was good television and we'll talk about it all, but there were definitely moments that were a little bit uncomfortable. And I hate to use this word, but a little bit cringe at times, which I think may have been intentional, but it was definitely a palpable awkwardness. And maybe that's just me, but I don't think it is. Yeah. No, it's it's not just you because it's also me. I, I don't know if other people had as strong of a reaction to it as I did personally, I think what happened was that I really expected to watch this episode and walk away from it being like, okay, 
I understand this relationship. I understand the timeline. I understand how they became friends. I understand why they're so close. I understand what they talk about, what they do. I understand it all. And I just don't feel like I got any of that. And on top of a couple of the interactions between the family and Addison being uncomfortable and a little cringeworthy, the dynamic between the two of them wasn't like full of clarity either. No, not at all, because we, it kind of got derailed by the other dynamics. That it, it almost, as much as we were anticipating that real focus, it actually kind of took a backseat to everything else going on in a way. It was confusing. I'll throw that word out again, because that's the only way I think I can describe it. Yeah. And I also just want to say on a little bit of a side note, tonight, somebody tweeted at Kim and said, I still can't believe this is the last season of Keeping Up. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she quote tweeted and said, we won't be gone long. Our new show on Hulu will be coming after the final season. And I read that because I would like to ask you, and also obviously I want everybody else's opinion as well. Every single time we have been asked about this in an interview or when you and I have spoken about it together with Isabel, with whoever, we've said that we kind of feel that their deal with Hulu will involve a lot more of them taking on a producer role and maybe some spinoffs, but that we would be really surprised if it has a very similar keeping up energy or keeping up type concept just on Hulu. And it's not that I've necessarily changed my mind, but the way Kim has been talking about it on Twitter recently makes me think maybe that's more of a possibility than we had initially thought. Yeah, that's how I feel too. But I think something that happened was that when they were doing their whole final season saying goodbye thing, they really made it seem like they were saying goodbye to doing a reality show and filming with each other. There's a part of me that's now reconsidering what I thought originally. And I feel like maybe they were saying goodbye to filming with E to their producers, to the people who had been with them for many years. And yes, we did definitely get that. But it just felt like the layer on top of it was like, and we're also saying goodbye to this concept of a show. Yeah. Well, because I think that what was happening was, at least in my interpretation of it, I think that. I kind of viewed it as they no longer wanted that level of commitment because time is money and it's a lot of time and that was not what they wanted to spend their time doing. And now I'm starting to wonder, maybe this really was so financially motivated. And I know at first glance when I say that's like, duh, we've discussed this a million times. But what I mean by that is we've spoken for a very long time about how they can make a lot more money at a streaming service and we knew that that was inevitable and that was going to happen. I guess I just didn't think that they would be making so much more money and then also want to continue to do a similar type thing. So who the fuck knows, but my opinion is maybe shifting, which is fine, but I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to get too excited. I'm trying to manage my expectations, but I definitely would not mind if that picks up a little bit more. My ideal scenario is them continuing basically what they're doing just on Hulu. Yeah. Hot take. And I actually don't know if this is that hot of a take. I feel like Kylie will be more willing to be a part of this and be more present on camera, even if it's the exact same format of a show, because the idea of a streaming service and Hulu will be more appealing to her from a optics perspective than E itself. I mean, from your mouth to God's ears, I love that optimism. But don't you feel that way just in terms of her view of like name brand television? Yes. And... I think that if it is redesigned in a way where she finds the concept to be a little bit more appealing, then yes, because think about it. 
when Kylie does her YouTube videos, which I know are completely different in terms of the way that they're filmed, it seems like she's genuinely really enjoying that. And I know a lot of it is promotional, but she could probably bring some of that energy and some of those ideas into this completely new formatted show. Right. I hope she does because I do really enjoy her YouTube. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to see. That's that's the whole point of this. But I really do wonder if immediately after this season ends, it'll be a month later, the new Hulu show. I mean, that would be wild. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. So I guess I guess I just feel like let's keep our ears and eyes open, all of us, because who knows what's about to happen. And I genuinely do not have any insight to this. Like We have no inside knowledge, honestly. I wish we did. I almost kind of like not knowing. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it's fun. And not so much with the surprises. No, you're not. (laughs) The last thing that I want to say before we start is everything that is going on with this whole Chloe photo situation, it's a lot. And as you guys know, this is a conversation that Julie and I really want to dive into, but we are going to save that for Monday's episode just because we really want to get into like a lengthy discussion and we want to focus this on this episode. I know sometimes very occasionally we'll do like a brief news Kardashian thing in the bonus show, but this is one we talked about it and we decided we just want to save it um, till Monday. And totally honestly, I'm still processing all of this because that was a lot. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Shall we begin? We shall. We're in the Malibu house. It's Kendall, Kim, Chloe, and Fi. And it's really funny watching Kim have to interact with animals because it's one thing with the little dog Sushi. She's kind of fine with the Pomeranian. But when she's with these giant dogs, you can just tell it is so not something that she wants to be doing. And she really tries to put that face on for Kendall because it's such a part of Kendall's life. But it's just not in Kim's DNA. Yeah, no, Kim Kim is really much more with the little dogs. Like Sushi, her little Pomeranian, she's thrilled with. Although I think Kim has opened up to it a little more because she seems to be very giving into North's obsession and love of animals and critters. Right. Also, so much more than watching Kim interact with dogs. All I want is watching Kendall interact with Fi. I know they're just friends. I don't actually think that there's anything going on there more yet, but I just love watching their interactions. Yeah, I'm looking at the outline and one of Julie's notes is irrelevant scene, but Fi is hot. And I would just like to agree with that wholeheartedly. So hot. He's also just so tall. Is he dating anybody? I don't know, but he is a really good looking guy. Yeah, he's hot. There's also, well, you know me with the height thing. There's just something that makes a guy additionally hotter when they're standing next to Kendall and they still look tall. Yes. Right? Yes. So next scene, it's Courtney, Sarah Howard, Natalie, and Harry and Addison walk in. And this is really when we are introduced to the Addison plotline. And Courtney's kind of introducing her in the confessional. And she says, Addison Ray is a world-renowned TikToker and then kind of laughs. Just kidding. Mason introduced me to knowing who she was. Addison and I made a poosh workout video and we've been working out ever since. And she just basically never left. Don't you remember that poosh workout video really vividly kind of as the start of it all? Yes, I remember it as a start of their friendship. I do remember the surprising Mason with Addison Ray is like the beginning. Like I remember that happening. Yeah, but I think that that was when everybody started to kind of really wonder. Like the curiosity deepened about their friendship because 
When it comes to the Kardashians, it's one thing to be hanging out with them. And that really does say something because they do keep their inner circle really small. But the second it crosses the line into a business relationship, to me, that actually almost speaks more than just hanging out as friends because all of a sudden you are now trusting this person to represent your brand. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. When they're playing that game and Harry's there and they're kind of joking around about spin the bottle and seven minutes in heaven. Harry is the first one to kind of press the issue and say, the real question is Addison and Courtney, let's really talk about this. And he's kind of kidding, but also kind of setting the scene for all of us to make it fair game to ask the question about what's going on here. Yeah, he really set the scene that this was going to be something that came up again. And it started the episode out strong for him to bring up that point so quick in it. I was very grateful for Harry in this moment. Me too. The thing here, which I know we will talk about a lot more, so I don't want to get into it too much yet, but something that Courtney repeatedly brings up as this goes on, and specifically when she's really kind of defending it with Kim and Chloe, is the age thing. And she is really in defense of, you know, it's not about age, it's about energy, which I do agree with in friendships. But the reason that I thought it was interesting that Harry was the one pressing this point is because Harry's a lot younger than Courtney as well. So Clearly, he wasn't coming at it from an age angle. There was nothing about the age that he thought to be interesting or noteworthy. It was more so about their relationship and something about their relationship that felt different. And so it was good to have him there as well because it almost didn't allow Courtney to make it about the age because she kept preaching that. And that's not really what everybody was focused on. Right. And that's something you and I said very initially when everyone was talking about this relationship as kind of a peripheral thing because we were only seeing it from Instagram content and not from the show. And you and I were basically like, it's not so much about the age. I think Courtney tends to surround herself with a very varying group of ages. She's very close with a lot of Kendall's friends, Harry, Fi, et cetera. But the closeness and the quickness of that closeness is really what was intriguing to us. And I think for a lot of people And that's something that kind of came up a lot throughout the episode. And I think that's why everyone was kind of hinting at the, are they hooking up? Is this possible? Is because of how quick they got so close. But it was never something that we really got an answer to. No. And we'll we'll talk about that more as it goes on. But this scene was important, especially because in Courtney's confessional, she goes, during quarantine, everyone kind of had their own little group going on and Harry and Addison would come over every day. It's just nice to have good positive energy around. I think sometimes you just connect with certain people and we love hanging out with each other. That's pretty much exactly what she was saying when Addison did the YouTube video with her, Courtney and Harry, and they were working out at Courtney's house. And I remember watching that and thinking the same thing of, it's not so much their relationship, it's really just the progression of it and the fact that Addison is so quickly integrated into her everyday routine. So she was basically just echoing the point that she had made in the YouTube video months ago. Right, exactly, yes. I think you had said this to me right before we started recording. I can't remember which one of us said it, but I think it was you. And you were saying in the scene when they're at the pool and they're doing the TikToks that Courtney did look enamored with Addison, not in a sexual way, but she really did. That was a great word. I think it was you that said it. Yeah, it was. She she did. I mean, you're watching her watch Addison dance and she does seem like a little infatuated. There was definitely a layer of infatuation there, which I kind of want to pause and 
explore more later on, should we? Yeah, I would love to. Okay, so let's get to MJ. There's so much here. I'm not. Even, I didn't even realize how much there was until we started talking. My favorite sentence in the English language is "Let's get to MJ." I know. I just really, for more reasons than one, I'm grateful we have this podcast because I needed to debrief this episode because I, like I said, it just didn't go into a category in my mind. So talking it through with you is incredibly cathartic for me. Same. Very much same. So next scene, MJ calls Chris. And this is when she's kind of explaining that she wants to go down to San Diego for her birthday, which is what she always does. And Chris is understandably really, really worried about that. And you see her balancing the idea of wanting to celebrate her mom and wanting to give her this experience that she's used to having, especially as she gets older, but also really being paralyzed by fear, which to me was so relatable. Oh, absolutely. And I think very relatable for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's different for Chris now. Clearly, she's a lot older than we are, but you get to a certain age and it's different for everybody depending on how old your parents were when they had you. For me, it's definitely starting now. And it shifts from your parents taking care of you to you taking care of your parents. And I remember that really being the case at the beginning of quarantine because before things actually shut down, and I know there a few months in. For me personally, my dad didn't get the extent of what was going on. And I remember one of the only fights we have ever gotten into, and I'm sure you remember this, when I was screaming hysterically crying, begging him to not go to that Broadway show. It ended up getting canceled anyway because Broadway shut down, but he didn't understand. He said to me, do you want me to just wrap me in bubble wrap? You don't want me to live my life? And I was like, temporarily, yes, for my own sanity. And I did have guilt. And I know it's a different kind of experience that Chris is having, but I very much could understand where she was coming from, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, it also, I think, depends on kind of your parents in general and the way they react to things like this. So for example, like my mom is super like overprotective and and cautious about things like this. My dad has a very laissez-faire attitude about things where it's like, everything's fine. And I always use that as a barometer of like, is something serious or is it not based on the way my dad was reacting to it? Because everything my dad did was always, it's fine, it's fine, there's nothing to worry about. And in the beginning of this, he hadn't really grasped the concept of how serious it was yet. And he was definitely leaning and he definitely wasn't doing anything wrong, but it just wasn't taken as seriously as I would like to. And it was really the first time where I was like, I can't use you as my barometer of what is serious and what isn't right now. Right. It's a really good point. I think that happens a lot of times with parents because growing up as children, we are used to them as the barometer for so many things. So when all of a sudden their view of it is not consistent with what you know reality to be, it throws you for a loop. Yeah, definitely. We'll get more into the MJ of it all as this episode progresses, but that's kind of where we were first introduced to this. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. 
It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So next scene, two separate things are happening. Addison is there again, and she's with Courtney and Mason. They're hanging out on the trampoline, kind of just playing, having fun. And Malika and Chloe are off to the side. And you see, they're kind of watching what's going on. And Malika says to Chloe, can we just talk about your sister? She hasn't smiled this much. Scott comes out, asks what's going on. And they're all just talking about how good of a mood Courtney's in. And Chloe says to Scott, isn't Court just a jolly old girl? And Scott says, I don't want to mess it up because she's much happier now. And this is when Chloe starts whispering and says, we know Courtney's had a fragile year last year. I want her to be happy. I want the old Courtney back. And this is her. I'm seeing a glimmer of it. And Malika says, just going off of her smile alone, it seems happy. And Scott says, it's a hell of a lot better than it was. Okay. Before we get into the Kim and Chloe confessional, the first point that I want to make here is I love when they name something and they specify a time period because without the show and without these conversations, we wouldn't necessarily know where each of their perceptions of the other's mental state was at in a given time. Yes. And it felt like something you were very included in. It's not often where you're listening to two people, specifically famous people talking about each other in something where you can say, oh yeah, I had knowledge of that too. Like I know Courtney had a really bad year. I know it was hard on her. I know specifically that she had anxiety about this and this and this. So when you're hearing them talk about their sibling or their friend or whoever it is in their family, and it's a really intimate conversation they're having, for you to be able to relate to that and know exactly what they're talking about is the intimacy of the show. It's why it, it it's literally why the show works. It really is. And if I was doing a PowerPoint presentation on the psychology of the show, I would include this moment because you are so right. I think that's what it was. I think it was the inclusivity of the audience of the experience that makes it so much more impactful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was also really funny in this scene as a total side note when that giant boat comes out with the helicopter and Chloe pops up with her binoculars and she's like, I may find my next husband. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I actually was dying to know whose boat that was because I watched that helicopter land on that boat and I was like, that's got to be someone good. Or when Scott comes out and he's basically sitting on Chloe's ass and she's like, could you be any closer to me? I love their dynamic so much. It's actually something I could talk about forever and ever and ever, but I just have nothing new to add to the conversation. So I can't keep doing it. I know. I feel the same way. So then when Kim and Chloe are in this joint confessional. Kim says, ever since quarantine, Courtney has been super happy. And you know, I think as Courtney's sisters, we're obviously going to question everything that each one of us does. So I think we're a little curious if it's because of Addison. She's 20 years old and we don't really know her. So we're a little curious to know what do they have in common? There's a big age difference. I mean, we question everything. So why aren't we going to ask questions? And Chloe says, everything, everyone, no matter what it is. Then we switch back to Malika outside and she goes, I thought I needed to date younger men to have fun. I just needed a younger friend. And Scott goes, I did have a 21-year-old girlfriend. It's almost comical to hear Scott say that as if it was like an out-of-pocket one-time thing. Right. As if 
dating women far younger is not basically his blueprint. I just, I will just say this. Obviously, you know that I love Scott and we've been on this journey with him, but I would be lying to you if I said that watching him date somebody who is 19 years old and this repeated pattern has not altered the way that I view him a little bit because it really has. I know why he's doing it. I get it all, but it just doesn't make it any less gross to me. And again, nothing against Amelia personally. I think she's a beautiful, great girl. Not about that, but it's fucking weird. Yeah, I obviously agree. Right. Like it's not a one-off thing at this point. You're right. It is a repeated pattern. Yeah, it is a pattern. And again, it's the whole conversation of being able to have a serious relationship without it actually being serious because you're dating somebody who is so much younger than you. But yeah, it, it's not a pattern that he should be having. It's not It's not respectable. No. Also, when Kim and Chloe are kind of really trying to hammer home the point that they would be doing this about anything, it kind of directly contrasted how quote, rude they were later on, but I could tell that in this confessional, they were trying to normalize this interrogation. Yeah, exactly. They were they were trying to justify their own behavior by being like, I would do this for anybody. Like, I would have said that to anybody. It's like when you do something kind of shitty and you're like, oh, but it had nothing to do with you personally. Like, I would do that to anybody. Like, it doesn't make it better. You're still kind of doing something. And not that they were doing anything wrong here necessarily. It's just, There was no reason to justify it as being like you would do this for anybody when this was clearly a very specific situation. (laughs) Exactly. So next scene, this is when Kim is alone and she gets the call from Jonathan, even though the screen says food God, which we're just going to glaze over. And this is when Jonathan gets robbed and he's calling Kim freaking out, which I one very clearly remember when this happened. But second of all, I think it's really rare that you go through an experience like this and your best friend can relate to this exact same experience, obviously different, but a robbery that was also really terrifying. So I'm sure that he felt, before he even called her, he felt comfort in knowing that he even could call Kim. Yeah. Like to be able to have somebody that you can reach out to in your most terrifying moment, who will be able to intimately understand exactly the thoughts going on through your head for the most part had to have brought at least a little bit of comfort to the situation. Yeah. And I definitely could understand people thinking that it was like maybe quote selfish of him because it would have been re-triggering for Kim, which we saw that it kind of was. But I think that if you asked Kim, if she had to choose, she would have wanted him to call if she could do it over. Because I do think that she probably felt good that she could offer a little bit of calmness in that moment because that's something that she didn't have in her moment. I think she did too, 100%. I think if she had to do it over again, she 100% would because to be able to provide somebody with that comfort is invaluable in that moment. Yeah. Next scene, this is when it's Addison and Courtney and Chloe comes out and Courtney goes, hey, my favorite person in the world. Chloe goes, what? Courtney says, besides my kids. And Chloe says, I thought you were going to say besides Addison. I was going to say, oh my. And Addison goes, she couldn't say that, not in front of you guys yet, just to me. And Really what's going on here is just this kind of uncomfortable dynamic where it's like Courtney and Addison are so on the same wavelength, so in their own world, and Chloe definitely feels like the outsider. And when Chloe's talking to her and Courtney's on her phone, I know if you're watching this for the first time, meaning you've never seen Kardashians, you're like, how is this real? This has to be an over-dramatization. 
That is a signature Kourtney Kardashian move since the beginning of time, way before Addison ever existed. She is fully selective hearing and she just goes into her phone and completely disregards the fact that a conversation is happening either around her or directly to her. This was the scene that I texted you and I was like, I'm cringing. I know. You were so uncomfortable. Because the reason I was so uncomfortable, and it had a lot to do with the energy that Chloe was putting out, where Chloe kind of came in pretty confused and was not matching the energy of Addison and Courtney, which is understandable. She obviously felt like kind of the odd one out in the situation and was really assessing the way they were interacting. But Addison and Courtney then, or like Addison more specifically, it's not like she was meeting Chloe's level. It was like she was kind of overcompensating to justify her own level and it just created for such an uncomfortable situation and that is zero shade to Addison first of all I cannot even imagine that situation I think I would feel so genuinely uncomfortable in it as well but I think that's just who Addison is as a person I think she's just so adorable and bubbly and happy and just excited to be there. And that just wasn't the energy that Chloe was putting out. So it seemed so mismatched. It did seem mismatched. And I I don't know how this is going to be perceived by people. I don't know if they'll think that Addison was being really off. I don't. I think that also when you're in an unfamiliar situation, you look to your person that you're the closest to as kind of your point of reference, as kind of the energy that you mirror. That's very normal. Even clearly we're talking about somebody being thrown into the Kardashians, which is like, the fucking Super Bowl of it all. But no matter what situation you're in, you automatically try to mirror the energy of the person that is your place of comfort. And so I didn't think that Addison was being it off at all because Courtney was feeding that right back to her. Right. And again, I don't think the age difference between Courtney and Addison is was a defining factor of their relationship. I really don't. But I think that when you are in your late 30s and 40s, the way you interact with your friends is automatically going to be different than when you're in your 20s. It's just a different maturity level. It's a different type of friendships that you have. So even though Courtney and Addison were able to be on that same wavelength and be able to be friends despite the age difference, I don't think that's something that Chloe was necessarily able to fully grasp for herself. Yeah, when there was that one line when... She's like, oh, what are you thinking about? And Addison's like, no, I could read your mind. I know you were thinking about the bigger picture. Was that real, do you think? I don't know, but that was just like, that was so uncomfortable. Because if I'm Chloe, again, it's no shade to Addison. But if I'm Chloe, I'm sitting there being like, yeah, it's my fucking sister. Like, I I know. I know what she's thinking. You don't know better than me. It was just really bizarre. I don't know. I mean, listen, as bizarre as it was, I could have watched it all day. Like, I don't care. It just, (laughs) I don't know. It was weird all around. What do you want me to say? It was a bizarre scene. I like every single person at that table. I really genuinely like them all. It was nothing wrong with any of them. I just thought that there have been less awkward scenes in the history of reality television, and this was just not one of them. So something that I went into this episode expecting was that I would be able to like watch the scene forever and ever and like any interaction between them I would be able to watch and enjoy and couldn't get enough of. I hit a point in this episode where I was like, I just feel uncomfortable and I'm not thriving in watching this. I definitely would agree. Thriving is not a word that I would use to describe this. Interested? Yes. Thriving? No. Thriving is the Courtney and Scott planned dinner from two episodes ago or last episode. 
Exactly. But I think I went into this episode expecting that I would be thriving understanding this friendship. I think we're also just not used to awkwardness like that on no. Kardashians because they're so all so comfortable with each other that we typically aren't introduced to a new player that something could be made awkward. Like, like honestly, th- the interactions between all of them and Addison throughout this episode were more uncomfortable than Tristan being in the delivery room with Chloe. Honestly, yeah. I like, I stand by that because at least that's okay. Again, we have seen Kim in that mode before, kind of similar to Kim kicking that woman out of the room with Scott when they were in wherever the fuck they were in. Similar energy, right? Kind of like, I am so protective of my sister energy. This wasn't that. Nobody was being protective. Nobody thought there was anything wrong with Addison or bad with Addison. It was more so like, I I don't have a word for it because I've never seen it before. And we as humans flocked to familiarity and there was no familiar feeling that I could associate that with. And I think that that's what we're experiencing. And so I'm going to try to thrive in the discomfort, but I'd be lying if I said I was thriving while watching it. And I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. That's how I feel too. I wonder if other people had as strong of a reaction as we did, or if we are specifically finding more uncomfort in the situation than there was or more discomfort in the situation than there was. We'll have to see. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So this next scene when they're all sitting there and Jonathan comes in and he's kind of talking a little bit more in-depthly about the robbery, which, I mean, Englewood Cliffs, it's in Jersey. I know exactly where that is. I knew exactly where he was and he's talking about Americana and he's just giving an update about his mom, but you see that this was definitely triggering for Kim. And she says in her confessional, after the robbery, I definitely retreated a lot. And I turned into a little bit more of a hermit than I usually was. You think like, what if this and what if this? And you just want to be prepared for anything and everything. You know, when you have kids, you want to save them and make sure that everything's going to be okay. And in the moment while Jonathan is talking, Scott turns to Kim and kind of like whispers something to her about the robbery. And Mason says, when you got robbed, And Kim goes, yeah, I'll tell you about it one day. And Mason just very calmly says, okay. But I know it was so brief, but that one little interaction between Kim and Mason and Mason acknowledging this trauma, which I don't really think we've ever known if she's spoken to the kids about it. I I was intrigued by that. Yeah, I was too. I think the reason that I was so interested by that tiny little interaction was because it really showed Mason growing up to the point where a he was able to understand what they were talking about what the conversation was he was the one kid that was sitting there with the adults having this very intense conversation about a really intense subject and he had the awareness to know what Kim and Scott were talking about first of all 
But second, when Kim said, I'll tell you about it when you're older, Mason just said, okay. He didn't pry. It wasn't like a kid thing where it's like, no, tell me now. I want to know everything. Like, tell me now. He was just like, okay. And he let it be. Yeah. That's what stuck out to me as well. It was a sign of maturity. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to be in the way that Courtney and Scott parent him because I think that they not treat him like he's an adult. I mean, he's clearly a kid, but I think that they definitely have a little bit of that kind of like friend relationship in a healthy way. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. I mean, Mason is a mini Scott as we always talk about, but also Mason was the first grandchild and there is somewhat of an age gap between Mason and the rest of them. And I think he definitely feels that I'm the oldest of the children kind of thing. And I think he really takes that maturity to heart. Yeah. The next scene is Kim, Chloe, and Mason. And it was so small, but again, when Kim is kind of asking Chloe if she should wait now or post the Instagram in a little bit because her other two posts are close to reaching 4 million and Chloe's kind of saying, well, I don't know. I think it'll actually bring more attention to your page. And Kim's like, you know what? Fuck it. I should just do it, right? I was taken back and maybe wrongfully so, but I never thought she would even question that. Like she has 200 something million Instagram followers. I did not even think that that was any longer a thought process. To be clear, I definitely think she put a lot of intention into what she posts, but I never thought she cared about timing. I didn't think she cared about likes anymore because to me, what's the difference between 3 million and 4 million? Honest to God, this exact interaction in, is something that I could watch like really for at least a solid two scenes. That is the little shit that I care about. Yes, because it is so unusual for you to get to see something that's so minor but has so much importance in your own life as well and you have so much curiosity behind. Right, because in a really weird way, it is very relatable. It is just on a much larger scale because every single person knows what it's like to turn to your friend, to turn to your sister and be like, should I post this now? Should I wait? What do you think? So, okay, with Kim, she's talking about the difference between 3 million and 4 million likes for your average person. You're talking between the difference between like... (laughs) 100 and 200 or whatever it is, but still on some level that had a inch of relatability. I agree. So this was kind of weird. Kim says to Mason, you know what? I'm going to give you an example of what never to do to your family members. Mason goes, okay. Kim says, and I quote, I called mom. Addison was over. I was telling her a deep problem I was having. I needed someone to talk to. I needed someone to confide in. I called her. We're talking. She was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She acted really interested in what I was saying, right? And then she was like, okay, I'll call you back because, you know, Addison's here. I can't really talk and I want to later in private. Understandable, respectable, right? She goes, I'll call you later. She thinks she hangs up the phone. You know what she said? Oh, sorry. That's my sister, Kim. She's just blabbing. I tried to get off the phone with her 10 million times in the last hour. and She just won't shut up or get off the phone. And I was like, what? End quote. (laughs) So uncomfortable. First of all, her telling Mason this story is so funny to me. But that ending of Courtney talking about Kim to Addison is like, what is going on here? First of all, what the fuck does she want Addison to say back to that? Like, yeah, you know that Kim Kardashian, she just doesn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, wait, this is really funny to me because I feel like that's something you do where you like have a new friend. Where you want to like be a little bit mean to your siblings so you can like kind of show off in front of them. But like... <laughs> Normally, when you do that, your sibling is like a weird seventh grader, not Kim fucking Kardashian. (laughs) Julie, okay. Honest question that you can explain after, but first, yes or no. 
did that interaction actually happen between Kim and Courtney? Yes. And is your reason for saying yes because she wouldn't have made it up to tell Mason? It seems too ridiculous to make up. And it seems like, why tell Mason if it didn't actually happen? Yeah, I think so too. I know this is so not the point of the scene, but Kim relatively makeup free is just so glowing. I really think that I know at this point she's not divorced or she hasn't filed for divorce yet, but I really think the separated life or whatever it is, is doing her wonders in terms of her radiance. I think she did file. At this point in the episode? Oh, not in the episode. I just thought you were talking about now. No, no, no. I'm saying at this point when it was filmed. Right. Also, the point that I wanted to make with this scene was in the preview for last week, Part of the conversation they're having with Mason is them asking about Addison and they're like, does Addison sleep over a lot? And Mason says, yes. And they ask, where does Addison sleep when she sleeps over? And Mason says, in my mom's room. I'm so curious as to why they cut that because they really ran with this whole thinking that they were hooking up plotline or really talking about how close they are plotline. And that seems like an important chunk of it. No. Yeah, honest, I didn't even realize that until you're saying it now. But now that I'm thinking back on it, that was a preview that we saw. So I wonder why that was cut because I could understand if they wanted the entire like potential hooking up speculation to be gone, but part of it was in. So it seems a little bit weird. You're so right. I didn't even think about that until you said it. And the only reason also that it was weird that they took it out is because It was clear that in this scene, the way they were setting it up of what we actually saw was for Mason to be giving them a little bit more information. Like they were prying and trying to get Mason's point of view on it. But all that happened was Kim told Mason a really uncomfortable story about something that his mom did. And then the scene ended. There was no other information. They set it up to be that like they were going to pry and get something out of Mason. And she was going to tell him this story to kind of set it up to get him to open up about it. But the scene just ends. Yeah, it was it was kind of bizarre. And then it's contrasted with Kim in the confessional saying, you know, when Addison is with Courtney and Chloe goes, we don't exist. And Kim says, Courtney isn't really like this with her other girlfriends. We just don't know. Courtney's a vault. She's always been like this. We're just nosy and gossipy and we want to gossip just with each other. So I want to investigate. Let me tell you something. This whole Kim and Chloe like duo is going real strong. It Kim, Courtney and Chloe used to be the duo for the ages. And that has really kind of shifted. I don't know if it's after Chloe became a mom or exactly if I can pinpoint in this moment. I'm sure I could if I just really thought about it, but I'm not good with years on the spot when this happened. But right now, if you were to say to me what the spinoff would be, it would be Kim and Chloe. I mean, it's like, right? Oh, no, absolutely. And I would love every single second of it. They have just really developed this bond and I don't know what it is. And I, I don't know how to like specifically explain what that shift is because I think it started prior to Courtney having a difficult time. I think it got stronger as they bonded over that and it's just kept. But I think there was just this switch where Chloe went from really relating to Courtney to being able to really relate to Kim more and they just got closer. I think it's twofold. I think on one hand, when it comes to the actual show of it, just strictly like logistically, if we're talking really factual, Courtney was less excited about filming. Kim and Chloe never lost that excitement and that brought them closer. And whether that was in reality or just 
closer for purposes of filming sake. That's one thing, but that's like the far less exciting one for me. I think that over the last few years with everything that has gone down with Tristan and with Chloe, she has become really, really fragile and kind of, I think in certain ways at times maybe become a shell of herself. And I think that what she sees in Kim, she even said this in her comment a few days ago on Instagram, like, you are my rock. I think that Kim provides a level of stability for her in a way that Courtney no longer does. Not because Courtney is not a place of comfort and love and support. That is not what I'm saying. But I think she views Kim as the ultimate, like, fuck everyone. I fucking got this. I am a powerhouse, strong woman. And I think there's something about Kim's attitude that Chloe finds such safety in. I think you are 100% right. On a much more surface level explanation, I think Chloe really thrives on which sibling she can talk to the other one about. So, for example, Courtney and Chloe were so close because they always had Kim to talk shit about. Like, Kim was just always doing something that drove them crazy that they were able to bond with each other over what Kim was doing. And I just think that at a certain point, the parody of Kim became just less content there. And I think she really grew up into somebody that it made it harder for them to make fun of. And Courtney kind of switched and became this almost parody of herself with all of the health stuff and the gluten-free and and the drama with Scott. Like, I think Courtney just gave them more to talk about and they kind of switched the dynamic. Yeah, you're so right. I think there's it's very layered and I mean, if we're being honest, I could do an entire episode on just that. Me too, 100%. My personal, like, this is the last thing I'll say on this. I know we have to move on to the next scene, but my personal investment recently has been this one thing. Like, I feel like we just touched on a subject that I've secretly been minoring in. <laughs> um, the the Chloe Kim of it all. And really, I don't even mean in both ways. I'm speaking solely Chloe to Kim, meaning how she relates to Kim. And so the fact that we we just talked about that, like, really made me happy. Me too. <laughs> Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, I'm just going to tell you guys right now that this whole bunker situation was the epitome of a filler scene. And so we're not even going to really give that the time of day. The only reason I want to mention this one scene when they are on Zoom with the guy from the bunkers, Ron, is because something about the conversation, and I think maybe it came from the fact that Ron 
from the second they got on was really building them both up and was so excited and enthusiastic and non-judgmental. But we saw the old Chloe. She had that confidence. She had that energy. She kind of was similar to how she was on Chloe After Dark and just witty and playing it up with this guy in a really fun way. And that was really nice to see. That's the Chloe I want to see all the time. That is the fun Chloe that we love. And we all, me, you, and Isabel all walked away from that one tiny interaction saying that was the old Chloe. Did Isabel say that to you? Yeah, she texted me. She was like, that's the old Chloe. And I said, I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, so spot on. That's exactly how I felt. That's really funny that we all individually picked up on that. I'm sure other people did as well. I think so too. Also, for a filler scene, they seem to have really triggered my anxiety pretty permanently with this whole bunker situation. Julie texted me, dead serious, like not in a funny way. And she was like, I just want to tell you if there was anything important from the scene that you need me to actually transcribe, tell me exactly what it was. She's like, I had to fast forward. It was like really giving me a panic attack. And I knew you weren't kidding. Oh, I wasn't. And actually, as I was falling asleep last night, like I I had a lot of trouble falling asleep because every time I closed my eyes, I could see the inside of the bunker and my claustrophobia was just next level. Yeah. It's a it's a real thing. I remember my mom had an attack when we were in the Duomo in Florence and she just started walking the other way. She couldn't do yeah. it anymore. We found her in frette in the sheets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Next scene, this is when Courtney is FaceTiming MJ and MJ's kind of explaining to her the debate between her and Chris, her wanting to go to San Diego and like on one hand, I think it was really, really sweet watching the way that Courtney cares so deeply about MJ and her happiness. And I understand when there's a conflict between the grandchild and then the parent as to how they want to care for the grandparent. But like, who am I to say I'm not commenting on the way that Courtney handles her grandmother? I, I know how deep their love is. But like, for me, I guess I was putting my own lens on this and I was like, Courtney, absolutely fucking not. She can have a really amazing experience in a really safe way. And I can't get behind you saying she's been so safe. Like I know. And that's the whole point. She has to continue to be so safe. And I know it kind of sucks, but like we just couldn't fight with Chris on this one, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I was, I was definitely um, viewing my own grandparents in this situation. And that whole aspect of COVID and quarantine with specifically my grandparents was by far the hardest part of all of this. I mean, there was a period of time where I genuinely like could not fathom the idea of being outside of their apartment, let alone going on a trip or anything like this. Like I wouldn't let them walk into a grocery store. So Courtney saying that I was like, listen, I understand what you're trying to get across. I just think we need to take a very different approach here. Right. Right. And you could tell, of course, her intention was good. But for me, I was like, hell no. <laughs> exactly. Okay, this next scene I just have to imagine is going to be the one that will be talked about the most and really has the most viral potential because I feel as though we reached a new height of uncomfortability here. And basically, they all invite Addison over, she thinks, or according to the script, who knows whether that's real or not, she thinks she's going over for a meal that Courtney will be at and Courtney is not there and she's kind of just left being interrogated by the rest of the family. And they set it off. Like, where are you from? You know, when did you move here? Have you been arrested? What's your blood type? What's your credit score? Really kind of making a a joke out of the whole thing. But also, I, I don't know what to say. Can we just talk about it first? Because I, I, I need someone to talk about this with. So, well, do you want to 
do you want to finish the rest of the conversation that happened at the meal or you want to cut it off before the before the real meat of it? Okay, fine. I'll keep going. I just like I was just getting a little bit awkward and like needed to to take a tension break, but I'm back. Ready? Okay. Finish the break and then I promise I could not have more to say about this. Okay, great. I'm so excited to hand you the reins. I just want you to know. I'm excited to receive them. Go ahead. <laughs> so Chloe goes, what the fuck do you do to make Courtney so happy? And Kim goes, honestly, at the beginning, we were like, wait, are they? And Scott goes, I'm still thinking that. Kim's like, yeah, hooking up. Like it was that kind of relationship. And Scott's like, yeah, I mean, it was the elephant in the room. Addison's laughing and saying, no, no, we're not. Scott's like, listen, it's okay if you are. No one, Nobody judges here. And Addison's like, no, I mean, it's just interesting that that's what the impression was. And Kim was like, I mean, it was just for like two seconds. And Scott's like, I don't know, I would say like four And Kendall is like, oh my God, you guys, this is making me uncomfortable. And I want to just point out a nonverbal action that happened here where Kendall was kind of pulling on Scott's sweatshirt as this conversation was happening. So like that was a real visible representation of her awkwardness in this moment as well. Okay. I could not have more to say about a scene. Thank God. I want to start off by saying I – don't know why I had such a strong like negative reaction to the scene not just because it was uncomfortable I felt like it was such an unfair position for Addison to be put in and she obviously handled herself so well and I think she had fun I think for her being at the table with all of them was an enjoyable experience but I just didn't agree with the position that they put her in it felt very much like throwing her in and then taking away her like her safety net. And I didn't love that, especially for this very unassuming 20-year-old girl who has just been thrust into this lifestyle, just moved to LA a couple of months ago. And now all of a sudden, she is sitting at the table with all of the Kardashians and they're asking her whether or not her and Courtney are hooking up. I know. Like, okay. I kept having to tell myself, did they sit her down before and say, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be a little bit weird. It's going to make great television. And that's kind of what's going to happen. And then my second thought process after I said that is like, even if they did do that, there still is a power dynamic at play because what she's going to say, no, like what is Addison going to look at Christian and be like, you know what? I'd rather not. It's just not going to happen. And listen, at the end of the day, everything's fine. I'm sure Addison was thrilled to be there. Clearly, they're all on good terms. She was tweeting with Kim tonight saying, love you back. At the end of it, they ended up being gracious and everything was fine. But it was fucking weird as shit watching her have to defend it because really the root of what they were asking was they didn't think there was anything wrong with Addison. She wasn't doing anything bad. If anything, it was actually kind of a compliment because really what they wanted to one get across or what they wanted to wonder was you must have some sort of magnetic positive energy that is eliciting this really favorable reaction in Courtney but they flipped it into like almost a negative where it really was actually coming from a very complimentary place but they didn't lead with that so it almost made her feel like she had her back against the wall right and I don't know if we're just projecting here because that's definitely not the energy she was putting out. I mean, she was clearly like laughing uncomfortably, but it's not like she was putting out this energy where she was like wishing she was anywhere else in the world. That's definitely not the vibe I was getting from her. What my issue with what happened was, is 
this was so much more about Courtney than anything else, like you said. I just don't think they relayed that information to Addison correctly. And from Addison's perspective and point of view, her and Courtney have only been friends for a couple of months. So this side of Courtney that the rest of the family is so intrigued by is the only side of Courtney that Addison really knows. So it's not like Addison has this deep understanding of she has been a catalyst and change for Courtney and she wants to help the rest of the family and aid them in their understanding of that. From her perspective, Courtney is Courtney and the rest of the family is just intrigued by their relationship. Right. For her, she's probably sitting there like, what do you mean? This is just how Courtney is. And they, you're so right. They never made that a concrete enough point, or at least in this interaction that we saw on camera. So we were sitting here. I just wanted to like scoop up Addison and not take her far away. Like I'm sure if she had her choice, she'd rather be at that $175 million Malibu house. But like, just take her into another room for a few minutes and kind of diffuse the situation, then bring her back with Courtney. Also, by the way, it so did not need to be the entire family. It could have just been Kim and Chloe, and they could have just reported back to the rest of them. Yeah, it was just kind of bizarre. Anything else you want to mention from the scene, or should we move on? Who'd really actually like to move on, I think? I'm, I was like hoping you would say that. <laughs> okay, this is Rob, Scott, Kim, Chris, Corey. They're really just brainstorming MJ. The only reason that this scene is worth mentioning is because Rob asks North, like, why she didn't eat any of the chicken nuggets. And North, so casually and with such conviction, says to him, I'm a partial pescatarian. And he's like, oh, right, of course. (laughs) No. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I cannot even explain to you. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's a French horn outside. Just give it one moment, please. (laughs) Are we leaving this in? Please let me leave this in, please. Why? Why? Why is this happening to me? Oh my god. No, I mean, uh, by the way, by the way, leave this in if you want. I honestly don't care. But the fact that there was a drum line and then a marching band and then two hours later, a random lone French horn outside my window just feels like a really elaborate practical joke that I have to blame you for. Julia, I swear on everything. This has been the most stressful recording day of my entire life. I would never do this intentionally to you ever. And I'm so sorry that you were dealing with this. Can I ask you a question? Do you hear the horn? Am I just like, like, am I hallucinating now? No, I don't hear, but it doesn't mean it's not going to pick up on the recording. I don't know. If we end up leaving this in, you guys can be the judge of that. Okay, I think we're good now. Where were we? I I was just commenting on North's um, culinary palate. Yes, very advanced. I hope that one day North is allowed to have a TikTok account of her very own. She's allowed to scroll as much as she wants, and all she hears is just her own little sound bites. Yeah, that is exactly what I envisioned for her. I'm so glad you put that into the universe. Me too. Okay, this next scene of Chloe and Kim, like, unless there's anything that you feel worth mentioning, can we just skip over this? Because this was such bullshit, this bunker scene. I mean, I obviously need to skip over the bunker scene. Isabel texted tonight and she was like, honestly, all I want to see is Kim just organizing her closet and like going through her different outfits and like same. We don't, I don't think they realize like nobody needs this. I promise you guys, you could literally sit there and talk about nothing and people would enjoy that so much more. Kim's one minute conversation with Chloe asking if she should post her Instagram was one million times more interesting and intriguing and 
like exhilarating than any sort of bunker adventure they could go on. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I think the part of the episode where Kim is struggling with her own anxiety and talking about the way that Jonathan's robbery made her feel on top of everything that's gone on with COVID and the need to protect her child. I totally understand all of that. I'm very interested by that. And I'm very happy for her that she's talking about that throughout the episode because I do think it's really important. I just don't need to see them in a goddamn bunker that then elicits my deepest anxiety. Right, exactly. So this next scene is Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. They're outside. And this is when Courtney kind of confronts them about inviting Addison for lunch. And Chloe's saying, you know, you're just in such a fantastic mood when you're around her that we just thought we were being proactive and trying to pick her brain. Like, what do you talk about? What do you do when you hang out? And we just want to know. And Courtney's like, I'm always in a good mood. I'm really content with my life. And in her confessional, she goes, even though my sisters are annoying, I understand their curiosity. And I mean, I am just so excited that they want to know everything about me. And Courtney's saying to them, you know, I think that the people you choose, like when you choose to hang out with someone, it's like your energy is aligned. And Chloe goes, so you have kid-like energy. And she says, I do. I feel like I have a young heart and an old soul. I don't think it's about age because Simon and Phil were here and they have that same energy. I feel like we all have such a good circle of people around us. Everyone's just different ages and I don't think it's about the age. I think it's just about people's energy and vibes. And again, in her confessional, she's saying, you know, people seem to be stuck on the age gap, but it's not about that, et cetera, which as again, we were saying earlier, I don't even think it was solely about that. It was more than that, but whatever. And Kim says to Courtney, I think we just wanted to check out the vibe and see what she brings out in you. So maybe you can sprinkle some of that Courtney with us. Okay. The reason that I want to mention that comment, it wasn't that like so backhanded. Like that was real. That was a dig. It was. And it's funny because I don't think they've ever held back from making that comment. And I know that Courtney knows that's how they feel. If I was Courtney, though, I would, I don't know, I would be annoyed. I think I would be like, all you guys have ever wanted is for me to be like this. And now I am. And now it's like, you have a whole problem with it. Like, let me fucking be. Right. And it's not like, it's not like she's only happy around Addison. And then that doesn't extend to them. It's just for a little bit of time there, they weren't able to bring out that side of her, which I understand is probably frustrating for them, but just enjoy the fact that it's here now. Right. I think that it was maybe a little bit more self-motivated than they even realized, right? Like a little bit of not jealousy that she was hanging out with her, but jealousy that like, wait a second, what do we lack that clearly somebody else is capable of? Right. Exactly. Again, though, The entire conversation around Addison and Courtney in this scene, what they were saying and what Courtney was kind of justifying or explaining from Courtney's point of view had so much to do with age. And I think that's something that Courtney is, you know, very apparently conscious of as well, like justifying that age thing. That's not what Kim and Chloe and the rest of us were really asking about. Like Kim and Chloe weren't like, we see that you are exactly like, but you're 20 years apart. How does that work? They were like, what is going on here? Because we haven't really ever seen you like this with any other one of your friends. And we're just so curious about that. And instead of really explaining that dynamic, Courtney just justified the age thing. Right. That's, that's exactly how I felt. I, I think she just wasn't fully getting it. And also they were doing a terrible job at communicating it. And it did come across as really judgmental. And it came across as like, combative or like confrontational or something, or I don't know. It felt like they made it out to be where she automatically had to go on the defense and that's never a fun spot to be. 
Right. And I don't know if they made it out to be that or if Courtney has paid such attention to the to the public reaction as well as the assumed reaction based on the age thing that she's so hyper-focused on that, that that's the only thing she thinks that she needs to explain. And again, she doesn't owe anybody anything. She doesn't have to explain it. But I think that for me, when I walked away from this episode feeling really incomplete with what I got, it was because that gap was just not explained. And the only thing that was focused on was really the age thing. Yeah. I think that that's true. I mean, when Kim asks Courtney who she wished a happy birthday to, and Courtney's like, oh, David Dobrik. And Kim's like, but who is that? Courtney's like, oh, he's just a YouTuber. And she kind of explains how she met Addison through him because Mason loved Addison on TikTok and that whole thing was coordinated. The only thing I want to say about this is one, it was really interesting to me and like funny. And I don't know if it makes sense. I just would have thought that Kim would have known who he was because I feel like they have a lot of overlap, especially since he's friends with Kylie. But second of all, I'm sure that they wish that they could have cut this scene out based on everything that has just recently gone down. But I bet it was probably too late in production. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure they would have wanted to take it out. I actually thought it was really interesting. And I'm happy you brought up the fact that he's friends with Kylie because it felt like such a disconnect there. Like it, it felt like... A, Kim didn't know Kylie's friends because Kylie was spending a lot of time with David at one point. But also, it wasn't like Courtney was like, oh, he's also friends with Kendall and Kylie. Kendall was on, you know, uh, on one of his vlogs as well. Like, it felt like a real disconnect between the siblings, which I thought was an interesting sibling dynamic. Yeah, just because it's not like they hang out with so many people. And maybe Kim was just saying that to say it. I don't know. I just would have, I was just surprised by that, I guess. Yeah, I was too. Oh, next scene, this was really beautiful. This is when they end up having the celebration for MJ at the Malibu house and everybody's getting rapid tests and you can see, you know, MJ's really excited. She hasn't seen her friends in a while. And Chris shows MJ that she brought Rick Ross, who's a jazz musician that MJ has been seeing every single year in San Diego for her birthday. It's one of her favorite performers. And it was just beautiful and really sentimental. And <laughs> Isabel texted me and she's like, I know you had a rough day. So like, maybe wait to watch the scene because I think that it may make you emotional. And I was like, you are too late. I'm hysterically crying. Like it just brought it out in me. I think I was so happy for Chris, but I, I hate saying this. Like I absolutely hate this emotion that comes up. Like I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have a little bit of envy that she's like in her sixties and she still has her mom. Like I would do fucking anything to have my mom. And it was just so evident. Like what I always say about how aging is such a privilege you know, like how, how special is it for them to watch MJ and for MJ to be able to get older and see so many generations who are only here because of her. And like, she's just this beautiful, regal, phenomenal matriarch of this family. And I, it was just really special. Like I have nothing but good things to say about this scene. Yeah. I, first of all, I completely understand that reaction. I think that is so valid. I also obviously hysterically cried throughout this entire scene also, but you're right. Like the ability for her to not just for Chris to have her at this age, but also for her grandkids to be able to say that their grandmother knows their kids and knows them as they're really growing up. I mean, Mason's old now too. Like that is a lot of time he gets to spend with his great grandmother, which is such an unusual and special thing. And I, I just think about obviously my own grandparents so much. So I was hysterical throughout this entire scene yeah it's so special it really is and like you know Chris definitely 
just in terms of party planning. Like, yes, she does things lavishly and really extravagantly, and we know that, but she also has a real knack for making things so sentimental and so deeply special. And that's why it's like certain times the extravagance isn't always what is the first thing that's noticed because the sentiment is so there. Yes. And Kim has that gift as well. Yeah, they don't all. No. Like, Kylie doesn't. Kylie's an amazing party planner. Ah, actually, I kind of take that back because sometimes Kylie does when it comes to Chris, I think. Yeah, but I think that if I had to choose from what we know, it would definitely be Kim inheriting that the strongest. I think so as well. And, you know, this kind of all ties together because in her confessional, Kim's saying that, you know, watching MJ – it brings her back to how she doesn't want the anxiety from the robbery to kind of rule her life. And she wants to take on MJ's kind of motto of about enjoying life and not letting things get the best of you, which we see is something Kim has been struggling with. And it was a beautiful kind of wrap up to the entire thing. And the last scene when Addison and Courtney walk out in matching outfits to meet up with Kim and Courtney, first thing I want to say is I remember this vividly because they showed them in these outfits in Addison's YouTube video for months ago. The second thing I want to say is such a small little moment, but when Addison sits down and Kim like moves her legs over, it's such a human thing. But I was just wondering what Addison was thinking in that moment. Like, oh shit, I have to sit on this lounge chair and Kim is sprawled out and like, don't mind me just having Kim Kardashian move her legs over. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. You're hundred percent right. This scene was also just uncomfortable again. I, I know. And, and honestly, the biggest thing for me, yeah, like they were doing a handshake, this, that bullshit, whatever. Literally the most noticeable element of this to me was the fact that even for a split second, Addison got Kim to dance. Are you kidding? Yeah, you're 100% right. Something that really has been intriguing me for a while, and it's not just specifically Addison, although I think my like interest level in this started with Addison, was just the idea of like being with the Kardashians or being with anybody, honestly, in a setting like this and like making a TikTok, like making a TikTok by yourself. Like I was thinking about it when Addison was in the at the Palm Springs house making a TikTok there. When Travis and Landon were at the Palm Springs house over Easter making a TikTok, I was just like the idea of being in someone else's home and setting up my camera and doing a dance in their home is the most foreign concept I could ever possibly even try to imagine. There's no world in which even alone in a house by myself, if I was alone on an island for three weeks, that I would make a dancing TikTok myself because it's just like not something that I am I have the facilities for. So to then do it in front of a group of people, yeah, you're so right. It's crazy to me. But like I so get it. Like do your thing. It's amazing. I just – I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. It's just an entirely foreign concept. Yeah. Anyway, it ends on a really kind note with – Kim and Chloe just reflecting on how great Addison is and getting to know her and how much they like her and how genuine she is. And we saw, you know, that that has been continued. They definitely have a good relationship with her and she seems to have a great relationship with the family. But what a fucking ride it took us to get here, huh? I'm so happy that they ended on that note because I did feel settled in terms of the way that Addison was kind of treated from that one meal. Yeah, no, definitely. It ended up, I mean, it's kind of like the full house moments that we talk about and that they were even talking about with Andy on the reality TV show. Um, right. Whatever his show was called a few weeks ago. Like it's exactly that. They wanted to end on kind of like this wholesome note, which they did. And I was appreciative of that. Definitely. Yeah. Well guys, what a ride this was. Um, as you will know by now, this episode is coming out on Friday instead of Thursday night for 
just had a lot of technical issues today. I think the recording from home is really starting to take its toll on us mentally and <laughs> also just like logistically, we just could not get it done um, in time for a lot of issues. So as a result of that, the Bravo episode will have to drop Saturday morning just because we aren't allowed to drop two episodes in one day, but it'll be done by 6 p.m. on Friday. So it'll be up as soon as we possibly can on Saturday. If we can do it at 1 a.m., we'll do it then. If we can do it at 6 a.m., we'll do it then. So sometime Saturday, early morning. I just don't know exactly when, but as soon as we're allowed to publish it, we will. And love you guys to pieces. Thanks for following this ride with us. If you have something nice to say and you want to leave a review, feel free. And just listening is the best gift you could ever give us. Anything you want to add, Jewel? I think that's it, kid. Okay, we love you guys. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take Yada Yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join, same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices.